if the Riders have a terrible performance at quarterback, they will throw the bag at Kevin Glenn, and Kevin Glenn will come back and be the quarterback of the Riders. Okay. That's why you listen to the waggle, ladies and gentlemen. You are now listening to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. That's right. It is The Waggle Podcast. I am Donovan Bennett. I'm with Davis Sanchez. And Davis, we have actual football that means something to talk about. Thank God. What is up, my dude? <laughs> uh, week, week one... Uh... Yeah, so some surprises, uh, some things that uh, uh, I think we all felt uh, were going to happen. The one Winnipeg uh, kind of being seeming like they're almost in midseason form. Like we spoke about the continuity quite a bit. Um, BC, uh, these are some of the takeaways I had um, in week one. BC, uh, you know, being that team that is going to take, take some time to gel. A, a, a talented squad uh, that. Uh, everyone, everyone seems to like the potential there, but we got to remember this, these guys are, are are new together, and it's going to take some time. And that was that to me was ev- evident what this team could be, but what they are now, and and something I don't think that we talked about enough. And we as uh, our show, and I think just this just the CFL media in general, I think we we slept on a, on the story, and that was uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks defense. And remember, they they returned more starters than anybody else. They were returned ten starters on defense, and everywhere that defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe has been, he's had success with uh, with his defense. And returning ten of twelve starters, a lot of these guys, younger guys who are going to uh, improve, guys like Avery Williams, uh, Kevin Brown as well. Um, another linebacker, but to these guys, their defensive line. Anyway, these guys, um, young guys, are going to be better. And 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 I think we saw uh, they they held the stamps on the road, held the stamps to one touchdown and bow under 300 yards passing. Uh, there were some plays out there to be had by the stamps, but I think for the most part, that's a pretty impressive performance from the Red Blacks and Red Blacks, and that's a defense that nobody's really talking about. Everyone was talking about their offense and what are they going to do with quarterback and their offensive coordinator left, and, and uh, no one really spoke on their defense. And they were, to me, they were impressive. They hit Bo a lot. They were aggressive and uh, and played a good football game. Football game beating the stamps in Calgary, which never never happens, especially. Uh, important games at the beginning of the season. That was the positive of week one, but the season actually started on somewhat of a negative, especially when player safety was a point of emphasis for both the PA and the league coming into the season. And Simone Lawrence had a hit that was called and flagged on the play. Zach Claros was knocked out of the game, and he's now on the six-game uh, injury list. And Simone was suspended two games for the hit. And I want to read the exact language that came from the league office and Randy Ambrosi on why Simone got a two-game suspension for the hit. And then we'll break down the adjudication of the rule and maybe what some players have said in the, the coming days. So number one. I, w- I want to hear that. I want to hear what some of the players well, have said. Gonna, I didn't, we're, I didn't, you said, you mentioned that I hadn't seen these things. So I want to see these we're things. We're going to hear these we're things. We're going to get to that because it, that to me is the more interesting than even what 
the league has decided to do. Uh, yes, yes. The boring, the boring statements that we're gonna put out. I mean, it's not gonna say. It's not gonna say anything. You can go ahead and read it, but it's not gonna say anything. I want to hear. I want to hear the dirt. Hurry up and get through this boring stuff. Let's get to the dirt. So, number one, player safety is the top priority for the CFL. This point was stressed yet again as recently as June 12th, the day before the game in question, in a league memo to all clubs, which clearly stated, any player who performs an illegal act that creates a substantial and unnecessary risk of injury to an opposing player in a reckless and dangerous manner and outside of the acceptable standards of play will be subject to a suspension so the important point there there's a memo sent out right before the game uh let me break that want me to break that down for you sure anybody that anyone participates in dirty hits is going to get suspended or fined pretty much um (laughs) and i will i want to point out a couple of the other points that are meaningful and it's a six-point statement uh we all need to walk all of this talk in a meaningful way now at the outset of our season by setting and supporting a clear and unequivocal message on player safety. Uh, and, and that was preceded by several individual players have continued to echo that sentiment on social media during and since those CBA talks, including this past weekend. So basically, I took that message to say the league has a hard stance on player safety and protecting our players, specifically quarterbacks. But it's not just us. You, the players, also agree. So don't come crying to us when we bring down a heavy hand in terms of punishment. And there is talk that Simone is going to appeal his two-game suspension, which means depending on when he files that appeal, he has 365 days to do it. He could play this weekend against Toronto. uh, Or um, if he appeals relatively early, and full disclosure, we're taping this, on Tuesday morning, there could be a decision before that game hap- happens this weekend. But you mentioned it, Davis. The players have spoken. And to Kobe Cofield, offensive lineman for the Riders, he said this, I missed my quarterback for six weeks. That's tough. I think it should be even. He's out for six weeks. He should be out for six weeks, he being Simone. The standard of professionalism amongst players has to be up here where it's like, hey, we're not going to do that to each other. We know very well what could happen to a guy. So the, the question he's basically asking is, why isn't it an eye for an eye in terms of punishment? And my initial thought was not in the long term, but in the moment. The Riders in their first game had to go to a backup quarterback. They they were going to lose that game as soon as they lost. Zach Caleros, Simone had had a, a penalty, but he stayed in the game. The, the Ticats won. Should that be a match penalty so that maybe you, you can't go six weeks for six weeks, but at least in the moment there is no incentive to knock a quarterback out of a game. Yeah, that's just not that's not reality. So uh, I hear you, but that's just that's not going to happen. In any sport, that's not the way it goes. We have heard, I mean, I've heard guys say that before, you know, if, in, in every sport. Like, if he gets, you know, if he, my guy's hurt and out for the season, you're out for the season, or or six games, six games. It's not, it doesn't work like that. And uh, it would just be, it'd be impossible to, to, uh, to judge it like that or to monitor it like that or, or to um, judge. Um, uh, rule, rule on it in, in that regard it's impossible but anyway I get I understand what, what he's saying but it's uh, what, what else you got so Alex Singleton you know the good ones a guy who plays you know 
it with intensity. Guy who plays in a similar position. Alex, get back. Alex, get back to work, man. You're trying to make the Eagles up here pulling the flags and hanging out at Cowboys and tweeting and tweeting all this stuff. And Alex is a loyal listener of the Waggle, so I'm certain he's going to hear this. Get back to work, Alex. You got an NFL team to make. Quit tweeting and hanging out in Calgary. Well, this is what he had to say on the play. I would suspend right. him for the rest of the year. If you hit someone like that, you shouldn't play. He goes on to say, Caleros had given up, and you watch the other guys fall by his legs. It wasn't like Lawrence was the only one chasing after him. He, and then speaking to Lawrence's intentions, because he's been in that spot chasing after quarterback, he said, I've never led with my head from seven yards away and not known what I was going to hit. If I'm doing that, I know I'm going to hurt somebody. It's the goal. Uh, he goes on to say it was dirty. He knows it was. He can say whatever he wants. So Alex Singleton on the issue, who is not even in the league right now, is saying whatever he wants. And normally defensive guys, and you know this, they have each other's back. And he is saying, man, that's that's not something that's kosher, not something I want in my league. So this is now not just someone who's biased because he's a teammate of Caleros. It's a Singleton right. who is a rival of his team saying, man, that's not a good look. It's, it's not a good look when you see one of our quarterbacks and let's let's be completely honest it makes a difference that it's Zach and we know his history of, of head injuries we want anybody to get hit anybody to get a hit like that but when you see I mean I think to be honest I think the hit Corey Greenwood hit on Moses Madu was worse than Zach true I mean he was you know he, he struck him he struck his he was in an awkward position bent up and and Corey Greenwood hit him, hit him in the neck and head. That, that to me, if, if it's not a guy with, I think, not to take anything away from this hit, because it's, uh, it's uh, first and foremost, I uh, think that the punishment is fair. I think that uh, Simone underst- understands what, what he did was wrong, or, or he should understand, and it needs to be out of the game. One, one to protect the guys in the league who are the most vulnerable, that's the most important thing. And secondary, secondarily is to c- take care of our stars, and that's the quarterbacks. It is what it is. We, we need those guys on the field. So th- the first thing is take care of the guys and, and their health, their future, and their lives, and the guys who are most vulnerable, which is the quarterbacks, and then also the stars of our league. Uh, but, I mean, that hit – to go back to the green one on Moses Madu, I mean, he was curled. If it wasn't, sorry, if it wasn't another, if it was a guy, a quarterback, or someone else who doesn't have a history of head injuries, that really wasn't a hard hit. He probably doesn't get concussed, and it's probably not that as much of an issue. Uh, not that the hit was okay, but it just, I, I don't I don't see it being, I look at that Moises Madu hit, if, if Zach Colero says Moises Madu and gets hit like that while he's, while he's wrapped up and curled up in a ball and gets hit in the head like that, I think I think it's even worse. So the penalty could be fair, but my question is, is it enough of a deterrent? Is it enough to change behavior? Is it enough for Simone Lawrence to be in the same situation in a future game and make a different decision? And that's where I'm not sure because there is a defensive mal- mentality. We want to get to the quarterback. We want to bruise him. We want to move him off the spot. We want him to hear footsteps. And – we want to make it more difficult to throw the football, and we want to bruise him up a little bit. And, hey, well, if we knock him out of the game, so be it. And, and, and we, we maybe if he's down, it's okay, but we, we don't want him to have a, a long-lasting injury. And that's sort of the culture that we're trying to change on the fly. And if Simone is, is appealing it, it clearly – 
he didn't think it was warranted two games. We have other players who are saying it, it warrants more. I, I wouldn't be upset if we were at a place where that incentive was taken away so that if you do have a, a dangerous hit, it would be a, a match penalty, similar to the way if guys get in a fight are it is like I, I don't think two guys swinging at each other while they're wearing helmets is more dangerous than lowering your shoulder and hitting someone in the helmet and and so i think the league is in a tough spot because you're afraid to set precedence but i i do think it's it's worthy of a conversation you mentioned the history of the player and zach Clarison and, and why we're talking about it because of his history with injury and with concussions specifically i mean he missed four games last season due to concussions. He's already on the sixth game this year. Uh, remember, he had a hard hit from Odell Willis um, in week 20 in, in, in October last year. Um, he's had a history of big hits. Remember, Avery Ellis hit him under the helmet and caught him under the chin um, that put him in the concussion protocol um, from week two to week eight um, last year as, as, as well. He sat out for three games due to head injury in 2016. I, I'm afraid at some point we're getting to Buck Pierce territory where this guy is 30 and the questions about him are not how he plays, but if he's going to be able to play and get up from continued hits, which has now put the Rough Riders in a tough spot. Good luck, Craig Dickinson. Here's your first job. Now you're, you're dealing with backup quarterback to start your year. Uh, Cody Fajardo has been named the starter. Harker, who's a rookie, is going to get some shots throughout the game. How do they move forward managing the injury issues they have with their starting quarterback and the inexperience they have with their backup and their third stringer? Like it or not, you already were at that Buck Pierce level of concern uh, with Zach Caleros. So that being said... If you're the Riders, you had to have a contingency plan. Uh, the question is, uh, you know, who was who was available, and and were there guys out there uh, that were a viable contingency plan? And I would I would argue that there were not, and and so that's you know that's kind of you needed somebody because you knew i mean with every every single interview i did every conversation i had every preview show that we did i mean i almost got sick of saying it i almost had to put context on every time and and preface it by saying i know this has been talked about before but the riders can be good can be one of the best teams in the west if Zach Coleros is healthy. Like we kept having to say it, I almost didn't want to say it, but it was it's it was so glaring. Um, the importance of it was, I mean, astronomical. It was that was it, and 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 because I believe DJ, he's already in that category of Buck Pearson. I didn't think he was going to make it through the season, and he didn't make it through the first quarter. <laughs> so what should what should they have done? Because there, you know, to be fair to Jeremy O'Day and and Craig Dickinson, there wasn't anybody else out there. So, I mean, wh wh what do you do now? Throw, throw the bag at Kevin Glenn? 
and convince him that, man, you were on ice backing up Mike Riley, a guy who never misses games. Well, we're in a situation where we don't know who's going to play, and, and the guys who do play uh, may very well miss games. Please, 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 can you come back to Ryderville and save us? Because okay. the, the quarterback room of they, they brought in veteran backup Brian Bennett, but Cody Fajardo, uh, Isaac Harker, and Brian Bennett is not instilling a lot of confidence in Ryder Nation right now. Okay, you you heard it here first. After this this week's game, week two against the against the Red Blacks, if the Riders have a terrible performance at quarterback, they will throw the bag at Kevin Glenn, and Kevin Glenn will come back and be the quarterback of the Riders. Okay, that's why you listen to the waggle, what? ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's I mean it, it makes sense. I mean, Kevin is not going to. Uh, Kevin's a smart guy. Kevin's made a lot of money over a long time. I don't think you can you can get him back for backup quarterback money. The Riders are an organization that uh, earns, that that is profitable, and that you know that money for Zach is going is not going to hit them hit their cap or a high a big percentage of it's not going to hit their cap, and. You're not paying any, any backup quarterbacks money, so if you have to tack on another buck fifty to what a backup quarterback will make, and pay a guy like Kevin three hundred or two fifty or three hundred, whatever it is, I'm I'm sure that could get Kevin off his recliner for six months, and it's it, it makes sense for the Riders. I mean, it's so tell me this, DJ, who else? Who else? If you're the Riders and you don't uh, Fajardo or uh, Harker or, or Bennett aren't your guy. Where where do you go? Is there any? Give me give me one name that that's a possible trade or, I mean, not off the streets not happening. But um, I mean, who is, is there a guy? Anybody? You mentioned who's tradable. You mentioned trade. There's a, I mean, it, yeah. Look, everyone in the league could be in this situation a week from now. Two weeks from now, so they're not apt to give up the backup that they really like. That's going to help you solve your issue. The one team that may remove a guy from their situation would be the team that you mentioned in Ottawa, and maybe they would move Jonathan Jennings already. Not not to say that their quarterback situation is solid and in, in gold, because the reason why they played well was not because of their quarterback situation, it was because of their defense. Yep. But if they wanted to draw a line in the sand and say publicly we've, we've got our guy I know we signed Jennings as some insurance that it was going to be a competition but but we are confident moving forward so yeah we'll get some assets back uh, then then that would be the one guy but t- to your point they can't feel confident about what's in the building one because they rushed Brian Bennett in the building as soon as it happened but Fajardo at, at He's 27, which is certainly not old, but it's only three years younger than Zach Caleros. And in his career, he has thrown for 480 yards in his career. Not in a not in a game, not average. Like that's the total. And so Kevin Glenn, I don't care if he hasn't picked up a weight or run a 40 all offseason, he could come off the couch and give you better production than the guys that they have in their building sight unseen don't need to look at the playbook and and and, but more importantly he is the type of character guy that if he comes in he'll be able to 
pass on some knowledge in terms of what he's doing to those other guys. So it raises the level of the quarterback room if and when Zach's injury is long-term for this season or for his career. And so that's why I think KG, to me, uh, is is the person that, that makes the most sense. You know, Ricky Ray has said, this is a wrap. I'm not, I'm not coming back because I don't have trust in my body that I wouldn't be the next player that helped off the field, even in a backup situation. And so that's why I think um, Kevin Glenn would, would be that, that guy in Saskatchewan. Why don't we talk about some of the uh, good stories that happened in week one and the, um, the number one thing that, that happened that I think was impressive is the 450 ball put up by Trevor Harris in his first game uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos. And three touches, too, to go with it. I want to just bounce around, and week one is big because you get to see the new faces and new uniforms and new teams, new offense and new defenses, and all those teams who spent money in the offseason, how did that return on investment look to start? And if we had a leaderboard on uh, new face, new place, who looked the best, Trevor Harris would be that guy. And, and helped by another new face, Ricky Collins Jr., he had nine receptions for 175 yards. And already in Edmonton, Harris looks super, super comfortable in that offense and really comfortable as the leader of that man team. man threw almost at an 80% clip, zero interceptions, three touchdowns, and uh, Jason Moss, when asked about about Trevor Harris's performance, he he was glowing. He was, uh, I think, he said something to the point of he was he was on his game. He did everything perfect. He scanned the field. He ran the offense. He uh, was accurate with all his throws. He was as you know, basically uh, saying that Trevor was as good as as um, he could have dreamed of in Week One, and. It was funny. Trevor, they asked Trevor uh, after the game, the post-game interview, the first question was, um, were you surprised with, uh, with your performance today? And his answer was, before you even get performance out of, out, of, out of the interviewer's mouth, it was, nope, not at all. Nope. Yeah, 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 Trevor yeah talk that talk. talk. That talk. Uh, I, I, it's funny. Do, do you see... A swag, a quiet swag in Trevor Harris that I see. I I do, and you know what? I can't wait to see mm-hmm. it this week because both quarterbacks in that matchup uh, have a, a a quiet swag, um, and, and that's why to me it's the matchup of the week. And uh, quietest kept Mike Riley. Didn't have a bad performance, put up 324 yards, a TD, two INTs, but that offense left a lot of yards on the field. Lamar Durant had, had six receptions for 74 yards, another new face. Looks like, um, you know, he, with, with more balls and, and higher usage, not being in Calgary behind all those other great receivers, he's really going to be a star in the league. He had a touchdown, but I can't wait for that matchup this weekend because of those two quarterbacks um because of the narrative around them and and trevor harris is like man look maybe i should have got a little bit more money considering what mike made so yeah i'm looking forward to uh that matchup and and i love the swag from both of them i love the look from both of them and you know it's prime time uh yeah. it's it's a big game 
they're going to be interviewed all week. They're going to be the spotlight. The ISO cam is going to be on them. You know they're going to look right. They're going to go to sport clips. You know Trevor Harris is going to get that that number two on the side, get a little low. But more importantly, he's going to get that steam towel on the face so that beautiful face looks good, that the pores are correct. You know Mike Riley... He's carrying a team, carrying a franchise, carrying a province. He's carrying all those hats. He's going to make sure that that back feels good. He's going to get that neck massage. I think Trevor Harris and Mike Riley, before the big matchups they've got this week, are going to go to Sport Clips. So make sure you do the same. Make sure you go to do the same. Go to CFL.ca. So that's the waggle. You figure out where the Sport Clips locations are nearest to you. Get the app on your phone or just do it old school. Go to your Firefox or Safari browser and put in sportclips.ca. Figure out where the nearest Sport Clips is to you. Even if you're on the run with the app, you can book an appointment. So there is no waiting. And when you get there, you can be efficient with your time. Catch up on all the sports you want. Sit in the big chairs. Watch the sports while you get taken care of, just like Trevor Harris and Ricky Collins Jr. Uh, I'm looking forward to that matchup this weekend. I know those guys are going to look right, look tight, thanks to Sport Clips. Uh, Another guy who looked right, looked tight in a new uniform, William Powell. Who is going to, he might need to get a full body massage, not just a neck massage, because he's going to be toting the rock as as they now go to a 1930s offense without Zach Caleros. He had 20 carries for 104 and a score in Saskatchewan. And I feel like in free agency, sometimes people overpay for running backs, but he said, man, I'm worth that money. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to be worth it moving forward. He looked real good in his debut. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. And, and another, another, another news Anthony Coombs signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, just uh, uh, adding adding him to their practice roster yesterday. I don't know if that will be just be for a couple of days, and then he'll be activated. But uh, that's a nice move, getting Anthony Coombs, who was recently re- released from the Argos, just hops uh, down the highway and 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 down to Hamilton, and that that'll be somebody that Tommy Condell can use and. A lot of different ways and, and helps uh, helps that offense out with the, with another national as well. When you have, they already have uh, Thomas Erlington, and uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a good signing. We got a tweet actually this week about the running game, and I actually think uh, Coombs, you know, he's, he's going to be a slot guy, but he, I think whether it's jet sweep motions or even motioning back into the backfield uh, and, and and taking a toss allowing them to be multiple and and be versatile offensively. I think he's going to help the running game a little bit. We got a, a tweet this week, and we want the Waggle to be interactive, so make sure if you're thinking about something, you got a question, or even just want to tell us a statement, get at us on Twitter about the fact that running games in week one seem to be dominant, and really, I'll add to this, running quarterbacks seem to have a big day. You're a defensive guy. Do you have a thesis, a hypothesis <laughs> as to why the running game looked so good early in the season? Because I have one, but I'm I'm interested from the defensive perspective what your appraisal well, of that is. If you, if you have one and I don't, then I'd be a fool not to just listen to yours. What do you got? Well, I think, number one, the passing game. It's a game of timing. It's a game of shared understanding. And, you know, given the fact that players were negotiating a CBA in the offseason, you didn't have as many quarterbacks and receivers together throwing. Running game, I mean, there's only so many run plays. And once you know a couple, you know them all. And so 
I think early in a season, it's easier offensively to get your running game on point, in sync, because everyone knows power, everyone knows toss, everyone knows sweep, inside zone, outside zone, those things don't really, really change. I think what does change defensively mm-hmm. is, especially when we're not, we're not padded up, we're not helmeted up, is getting off the ball, firing into gaps, being able to occupy defenders and get off a block and stuff the run, uh, reading, reacting, looking past uh, offensive lineman's shoulder and his head to find the, the, the back in the backfield, redirect, get those feet through trash and make a play to disrupt the running game. I think that stuff takes some time because it's not something that you can replicate just walking through it. you got to do it at real speed and so that's why I think running games are big early in the season when those running backs feel good and feel fresh and they feel like Ferraris then you know the dog days of summer everyone gets a little banged up and it's a bit tougher to run the ball then when the weather turns and it gets sloppy and it gets muddy and it gets cold then the running game turns up in importance but also in effectiveness and and that's why i think we're seeing the running game being such a big big factor right now but but, but what do i know no, like, I, I didn't no, play in the CFL. no i think you, you know did. I, I, you got you're onto something there and, and there there was a a tweet from uh, Courtney Smith about the run game uh, his tw- his tweet says for a league known for passing anyone else impressed with the run game after week 1 i am and uh, and that's and I am I am as well, Courtney. And it, it was that's uh, uh, and I DJ uh, to your point. I mean, it's uh, you're, you're right. After a week and after training camp, it's those uh, you know so, some of those <laughs> tack, tackling is difficult as well. Is with when you're trying to you know you're not getting a lot of those those reps in in camp and and so you got guys like William Standback. I think Standback in Montreal who we didn't and mentioned. I don't know if you mentioned Standback, but he averaged. Eight yards a carry, I believe, in week one. I mean, massive. Crazy, Harris yeah. was nine yards a carry or something. Like these guys are. I mean, that's uh, those are. <laughs> you know, you, you've been in enough enough meeting rooms to know that the first thing a coach is going to say, you got to stop the run. There's, those are not happy coaches. When you look at you look at the stat <laughs> sheet and see a guy getting, and it's not like these guys are getting four carries. I mean, Andrew Harris had I don't know how many carries, but uh, you know, 20, 20 carries averaging almost ten yards a carry is not is a bad look. You know, it's uh, it's one thing if Marcus Thigpen gets you know uh, he's a, a speed guy, a change of pace guy, gets in and has three carries for thirty yards, averaging ten yards a pop. That's one thing. But when a guy's you're every down back toting the rock and he's averaging ten a clip, that's that's a bad look and it, it, almost impossible for a team. Um, to have success, you're not getting the, you're not getting offenses in second down. You're not getting off the field on 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 second and short, and it's just that's just a bad look all the way around. That to to move on to something uh, that ties into that, the Lions front seven was um, I think is is a, is a group that still has a lot to prove. There's there is some unknowns up there. I think their linebacking core is. Is a bit of uh, some unknowns there uh, in, in regards to you know they lost you know they lost the, they lost some pieces they lost um, they lost their will and and uh, they have a new guy playing Mac and and, and uh, as a matter of fact I, their, their Sam is is uh, is gone as well so yeah you lose uh, you know you lose you, you get a Sam that I, that I believe is it you know Edwards is a good player but. Uh, uh, 
anyway, you you lose some guys, and that's a question. And their and also their defensive line is is uh, you don't know what you know. I think that's a good group, but still, there's you know when you see the numbers that you saw, you see the lack of pass rush. That's uh, that's um, something that people will be uh, keeping a close eye on. And I think that they're well, interested in up- upgrading or, or getting more out of that that unit in in weeks to come. Well, I'll tell you who's keeping a real close eye on it is the head coach. Devon Claybrooks because I mean he is a defensive guy he is a guy who made his money when he played around the line of scrimmage creating havoc and that's what his defenses were known to do in Calgary so certainly he's not gonna be happy about it, it, it the, the the motto for me is Mike Riley who paid you a lot of money you take care of that offense I, I'm the head coach I, they came here here uh, with some expectations about what this defense is going to look like, and it did not look like anything close to his defense's Calgary. So uh, I'm certain that he's going to look to turn that around in week two, and I'm certain that he's going to want to fight back. He's going to want to hit that hard because you know what's hitting him hard right now the way his defense played when he's looking at the, the game film, the the end tape, the sideline view, he's probably got some heartburn just saying, man, look at these defensive fits. Nobody's rallying to the ball. Where's our intensity? Why aren't we changing the line of scrimmage and moving it back? So, I mean, listen, Coach Claybrooks, we want to give a shout-out to our partners at Tums because when heartburn hits, hit back fast and harder with Tums. Get relief Tums fast. I think the entire defensive staff in BC might be consuming some Tums this week because it hurts the heart for Claybrooks to have <laughs> a defense not live up to his expectations. Um, speaking of defense, oh, DJ, we, we have to give DJ. A, yes. Be- before yes. you go any further, uh, two things. One, yes. I-, I love... The, the shameless plug and the and the um, the smoothness that you integrate um, in giving our partners tums sport clips uh, giving them love it's it's uh, you're a you're a professional and uh, and and I love I love uh, the the seamlessness that uh, uh, you integrate these uh, the our, our partner love into but you mentioned uh, you mentioned somebody uh, who would be paying attention to the linebackers um, of the BC Lions. You know who else did? And I actually thought that's where you were going with it. You know who else was paying attention to the BC Lions linebackers? Who's that? Adam Big Hill. And oh, I was I yes. I thought you were gonna say Solomon. Well, probably. Yeah, well, there, there, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that, add, add another one. Now we we said some people are looking. It's probably a lot more looking. Adam Big Hill uh, not only was looking, but he let he let those twi- Twitter fingers come up out of his pockets, and he decided to to actually let them know that he was looking. And I'm scrolling through right now. He's pretty active on Twitter, so I can't find the exact uh, the exact tweet um, that he tw- put out. If I do find it some sometime during the pod, I will I will read it uh, word for word. But uh, I'll just give uh, I'll just give a, a brief. Uh, um, a brief, a brief uh, synopsis of what what he was saying. He basically said, he basically said somebody tweeted out a comment about the Lions uh, linebackers or something about the linebackers, and 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 Big Hill somehow was trolling that uh, I think it was BC Lions Den who tweeted it out, uh, a fan page of the Lions, 
and Big Hill was trolling and somehow to, hopped in hopped in there and and made a comment to something to the effect of it doesn't I thought that linebackers don't matter you can find you can find them anywhere and question mark question mark question mark so he's taking a little a little shot Adam Big Hill's taking a little shot at Ed Hervey and Devon Claybrook saying uh, I thought you could find I thought you could find linebackers anywhere it doesn't matter and uh you know it's uh I thought that was uh there's some feelings cuz Adam Big Hill wanted to be back in BC. I know he he loves I'm sure he loves in the peg and the, he's found a home there and they treat him well, but uh I'm pretty sure he wanted to sign back uh, near his home and where he where he spent uh his early career and and they had zero interest and uh, as soon as they have a lack of success at uh at the linebacker spot, he'll be the first he was the first one to let them know. Well, it's funny. So I, I am not just good at segues. I'm good at social media. And since it wasn't Big Hill's own tweet, it wouldn't be on his page. It was a reply. So I found Perfect. It. See, that's, that's you, my guy. That's you, my, you, you're younger than me, well, DJ. So you know how to do all this stuff. Thank you, buddy. That's what we're teammates. That's you got me. That's I got it. you. Uh, BC Lions then tweeted, biggest areas of concern right now are the pass rush, the linebackers, and the running game. Those are a lot of concerns. Uh, can't win games if you don't have a balanced offense and can't stop the run. I mean, true. Um, Adam Big Hill responded, linebackers are not a focus. Apparently, you can find them anywhere. Uh, they then responded back to him. They didn't even want to let it sleep. They found you. And then he responded, ha ha. Wally and company, that crew is gone. So you, you, he was making no mm-hmm. uncertain terms what he was talking about and who he was talking mm-hmm. about. So it, it, is, it is remarkable, though, that when you look at Solomon and Big Hill played beside each other, arguably two of the best linebackers in the league for that long, um, and now they're both, they're both gone and they're still in the division mm-hmm. uh, with rivals, yeah. and and clearly, at least one of them is still paying attention. Oh, I'm sure Solly's paying attention too. Maybe just because Solly's rehabbing, he he can't say anything right now. He's got to be quiet. Can't you can't uh, can't tweet from the tub? I think they say is not the is not the is that the enough. saying? Yeah, can't tweet. Well, you can't make the no, club no, from no, the tub, you, which is the yeah. you don't like. <laughs> but now it's you can't tweet from the tub because the phone's not waterproof. I suppose. All right, week two, um, week two, week two matchups: uh, Sask, Sask at Ottawa, BC at Edmonton, Hamilton at Toronto. Only three games this week. Uh, which which of these three sparks most of your interest, DJ? Tomorrow, tomorrow, thir- Thursday on. night. Come Thursday on. night is Sask Come Ottawa. Yeah, on. I know it's obvious. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't I know the first game. First game in about? Toronto. The exhibition's going on. The the Arkell. The Arkells are performing afterwards at the at the uh, yeah somewhere down there. It's is it Hamilton at Ottawa at, at Toronto? No. Okay. Uh, Friday night at nine o'clock. Mm. You know where mm. I'll be. BC at Edmonton. And so, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, friend in real life, uh, Jeff Creever. Um, who does a great job on, on CFL.ca. Uh, make sure you go, go to the site and, and consume and read all of his work. Um, he, he, he likes to canvas, uh, you know, the people that work for the site and people who are, you know, commenting about the league and whatnot. And so uh, the thing that he did weekly uh, last year is going to do it again because it, 
did um, you know great numbers is is weekly say. And so he asks you three questions and everyone kind of responds on what, what they're feeling on the questions. And one of the questions is, on a scale of one to ten, how important is it for Mike Riley to get a win this weekend against his former team? That's how much this game means, is that we're already appraising how big it is for Mike Riley. And it is week two. And I do not think it's that big for Mike Riley personally. I think he'll be fine. I think the season is long. But... The amount of eyeballs that will be on that game, the amount of Twitter mentions, to your point, that will be spent, the the website impressions on Riley and Edmonton, on Harris v. Riley, on two teams that could possibly be the ones to take the spot at the top of the West if Calgary you know, reverts back to the past and vacates the throne. That's the game that I'm looking forward to see the most. You? Uh, no, the Ar- I'm going to. I'm going here because I happen to be in Toronto, and, and the Arkell, the Arkells are performing. I'm gonna go take the fam bam down and go to the. You know what? No, I'm not. I just looked at the calendar behind you, me. I'm working. <laughs> I will be okay. in studio. Well, no, that's the game. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, all three games. It's not uh, the yeah. The 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 Walker bobblehead giveaway that's gonna happen at the Argos game. Is that who the bobblehead is? Darrell Walker. Yeah, I like it. And that's going to be a good game. I'm I, I'm really looking forward to to seeing that Toronto defense. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what they have in store. What Jacques Chaplin has in store for the new uh, revived, refreshed James Franklin, or, or so I'm sure he feels like. Uh, I want to see what this team looks like. They're going to be an exciting team. They're gonna they're gonna play great defense, and uh, and and you know what? I uh, the jury's still out. At least from me, my perspective, the jury's still out on James Franklin. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I am interested to see that team play. And and, uh, and I also, Jeremiah Masoli didn't look, and I was at that game. Jeremiah didn't seem to have um, the fire uh, that he usually has. Now, I don't know, you know, it's you know looking from the sideline and trying to, Look at somebody's body language, and you know it was a cold, rainy night. It wasn't, you know, you know. There's, there's the Zach injury early in the game might have taken some of the fire out of, out of the, and the passion out of the game. I don't know. I just, I didn't see the, the normal Jeremiah. So I expect Jeremiah to have a bounce back. I didn't think he played well in week one, so I expect a bounce back from him. And I also expect, expect a defense in, in Toronto that's going to fly around. And Corey Chamberlain is is uh, really good at what he does, and, and defense is what he does. So uh, I look forward to seeing that. But that BC Edmonton game, yeah, it's, it's going to be fire. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a good weekend. And then uh, opening up Thursday Night Football on TSN, it's it's Sask and Ottawa, Sask at Ottawa. The Cody Fajardo era begins. <laughs> How's that for a sell? Does How's it? that for a sell? He's sharing, this, he's sharing the reps. It's not even just going to be him. The Cody Fajardo era begins. See, I mean, I'll tell you this. Here, here's the, a the, the yeah. Cody Fajardo timeshare. The timeshare. I will say this: expect Cody Fajardo to put the ball down the field more than you think he will. 
People are going. People really? are going. I, yeah. I'm, I'm expecting him to put it underneath his arm and run with it because that's what he's shown he can do in this league. Like my guy's got 14 uh, you know, rushing TDs. You, you're right, and that's what but everyone. You, you think he's? But you think he's going to? Well, I, I don't. I don't think he's going to drop back and throw the ball 70 times and, and go no huddle. But what I do expect because. You, as well as Noel Thorpe, the defensive coordinator for the Red Blacks, and everyone else, everyone else watching the game and around the league expects Sask to uh, run the ball, to run, uh, you know, speed option, reverse sweeps, uh, you know, all those things you do that they did uh, last year with David Watford and Brandon Bridge and everyone else. You expect to see that with Steve McAdoo, the same OC. I expect them, and they should. If they don't, they're missing something. Listen to me, guys. I'm also off offensive coordinator in my off times. Uh, take shots, play action, and go down the field. You're not going to be able to have an intermediate three-step spread the ball around pass game if you're the Riders. Not, not right now, but you are able to – uh, tuck it, tuck it into a running back's belly, pull it out, and, and go play action, deep balls, and take a, a couple shots a quarter. I expect to see that. Well, they are going to need to loosen up that defense because Noel Thorpe, if he could put thirteen guys in the box, never mind yes. ten or eleven or twelve, he would do it. It will be a crowded box, not just because Cody runs the ball, because Powell is one A, one B. Uh, the best tailback in the league, and we know he's going to get a healthy dose of work. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Me too, baby. Seeing if 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 there's a if there's a new storyline, and maybe the, you're right, the Cody era begins. Uh, week two should be fun, and I'm actually looking forward to the game on the weekend, just because I'm looking forward to seeing if Simone Lawrence is going to be in it or not, um, and what happens with uh, his apparent appeal and if it's upheld uh, but I mean that that was a talking point around the league uh, so let us know your thoughts on on the hit the play and the suspension and let us know your thoughts on what's going to happen in week two I do know one thing is for sure in week two we'll be back Davis same time same place bring you your Canadian football goodness thanks for doing this my man until next week 